0: Well, today we're continuing our message series. We began last Sunday on Easter called God's Power Continues. Last Sunday we talked about how Jesus was born to a virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about how Jesus taught and did many miracles in his ministry during his days on the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit. We spoke about how he was crucified on the cross laid in a tomb, and three days later he rose from the dead through the Holy Spirit's power. And now Jesus had told his disciples after he rose from the dead that he was not going to be with him any longer. He was going to return to heaven. He was going to leave them. What were the disciples going to do? Their leader and master who had been leading and teaching them for three years was now going to be gone. How could they minister in the same power that Jesus had? Today we're going to be talking about waiting for the power, wait for the power. We're going to look at how Jesus prepared his disciples for his departure. We're going to be looking at how, at the implications that his teaching has for us today. Let's begin by looking at some of the things that Jesus taught his disciples to prepare them for his departure. Now in your bulletin there's a white page, I'd encourage you to take it out. And on that white page it has the outline with the verses written out as well as a study guide on back. And that study guide will be used in all of our uh, evening life groups during the course of this series. So we can dig in deeper into God's word. You can also do that on your own. John fourteen twelve, Jesus told his disciples, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now that's an amazing promise, isn't it? It's incredibly amazing. When we read this promise that Jesus made, we see it doesn't just apply to these first century disciples, does it? Who does this promise apply to? Underline that phrase, anyone who has faith in me. That's who the promise is for. And so this promise has applied to believers in Jesus Christ down through the centuries, down to our day today in 2015. If you have faith in Jesus Christ today, then this promise applies to you. And what were the things that Jesus was talking about? What had he been doing? Well, if we look in the context of this verse, we see that Jesus had been teaching God's word to the people and he'd been doing miracles. He'd been healing the sick. He'd been delivering people from demonic powers. Those are the things that Jesus had been doing. When would these greater things happen? Verse says, he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. When Jesus left the earth, when he ascended to heaven, then he would make available the power to accomplish these things for the followers or disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, how could the believers do the same things as Jesus? I mean, surely He was the Son of God. We are not the Son of God. The disciples were not, were not divine. How could they possibly do the same things? Well, Jesus answers in the next couple of verses. Verse 16, He says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be with you in you. When Jesus was here on this earth, he was the counselor for his disciples. But he says, now I'm leaving and you're going to need another counselor. And that other counselor that's going to come is the Holy Spirit. The Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you, those disciples of Jesus, just as the Holy Spirit has been with Jesus. Now up to this point in history, the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, has been living with them. He says, he, the Holy Spirit, lives with you. That is the way the Holy Spirit worked with believers in the Old Testament era. He was with them. But now something new was going to happen. Soon the Holy Spirit would live not just with the disciples, but in the disciples. A whole different kind of relationship that had not been possible before. So let's see how this plays out after Jesus rises from the dead. And so on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. And he met with his disciples on a number of occasions. On one occasion, is recorded in John chapter 20, verse 21. And Jesus said to his disciples, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, these two verses in John are, are incredibly important, and they're often overlooked. In verse 21, Jesus tells his disciples, and again, he's speaking to disciples of all ages, including you and I today. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ here this morning, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And these words apply to each disciple. He says that he's sending us to do his ministry in the world just as the Father sent him upon a mission. Jesus came to this earth on a mission And what was that mission? To seek and save the lost. And he is sending us as his ambassadors, as his disciples, in the very same way. We talked about that on Easter Sunday, the Great Commission. And then Jesus breathes on them. What is that all about? Well, the Greek word for breathe here is emphousao. And that word is the very same word that is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament In Genesis 2 verse 7, Genesis 2 verse 7 says, God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. And so in Genesis 2, God breathes into Adam that he's created out of the dust of the earth and God's life enters into them. What is Jesus doing by breathing on the disciples here? He gives the command, receive the Holy Spirit. Now again, we're not going to get into too much of the Greek this morning, but the Greek word here for receive is an aorist imperative. What that means is a command, and it denotes a single act of reception at the present time. Jesus is not talking about something in the future. He's talking about something that happened right when he breathed on them. And so at this point in time, the disciples, as Jesus breathes on them and commands, receive the Holy Spirit, they received the Holy Spirit. Who knows, when Jesus gives a command, it happens. And at this point, they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who had been living with them, now became uh, a being living inside of them. The Holy Spirit began to live inside of them. So at this point in time, as Jesus says, "Receive the Holy Spirit, the disciples were born again. They were regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The same thing happens today when people believe in Jesus Christ. They are saved. They are born again. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of each and every believer. But as we're going to see today, the, believer, the Holy Spirit living inside each and every believer saves them, but not, does not give them the power to do what Jesus had been doing. It does not give them, he does not give them the power to fulfill the prophecy of Jesus, that they would do the same things and even greater things. John the Baptist prophesied of another dimension of the Spirit that was required for a believer to operate in the power of the Spirit. Mark 1.8, this is recorded in every gospel, but we'll just look at Mark 1 eight. John says to Jesus, I baptize you with water. But he, speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so John prophesied that Jesus would baptize believers with the Holy Spirit, a separate and distinct work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And so to summarize this morning, the Gospels themselves show us that there are two separate and distinct works of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. The first is receiving the Holy Spirit when a person is saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And the second work is the baptism with the Holy Spirit as Jesus baptizes the believer giving them supernatural power for ministry. So that's the background, and now we're going to look at the first chapter in the book of Acts as our primary text this morning to see how this further plays out. In Acts, we find that the church is to continue Jesus' ministry. Acts 1 verse 1 says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Underline those words. Began to do and to teach. The book of Acts was written by a Gentile associate of Paul's named Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. He was a traveling companion with, with Paul. Luke wrote two books in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he, which is, he mentions here my former book. <clears throat> and he wrote the book of Acts. Now this first verse in Acts tells us that the Gospel of Luke was all about that all about what Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts is therefore all about what Jesus continued to do and teach. <clears throat> I think there was too much cheering at the ambush game last night. You had to really speak up in order to hear there. And so the book of Acts is about all that Jesus continued to do and teach. Now, as we'll see today, as we go through Acts chapter 1, by verse 9, Jesus has ascended back into heaven. And so he's no longer here on this earth. So how can he continue to do and teach? He's no longer physically present. Well, what Jesus continued to do and teach through the whole book of Acts, was done by his followers, was done by his disciples, was done by the early church. And so the book of Acts shows the church continuing Jesus' ministry, fulfilling this promise, continuing to do and teach the things that Jesus had been doing. Now, Jesus gave final instructions beginning in verse 2. It says, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, the disciples he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing truths that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And so after Jesus rose from the dead, he went about showing himself to people, on some occasions to small groups of disciples, on other occasions, it's the Bible tells us to hundreds of people during a period of forty days. There were forty days between when Jesus was risen from the dead, rose from the dead, and when he ascended into heaven. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, that he was not simply a ghost or some type of apparition, that he was Jesus himself. He ate with his disciples. He allowed his disciples to touch him. He could be felt. He could be touched. He spoke with his disciples on a number of occasions, and he gave them instructions through the Holy Spirit speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus knew he had only a few days left, 40 days left, to impart instruction, impart knowledge into his disciples. What do you think he talked about? Just inconsequential things or the very most important things that they had to know when he departed? I believe he talked about the most important things in his final instructions to make sure that the disciples were ready to carry out The mission that he had for them when he was gone. So Luke next tells us Jesus' most important final instruction to his disciples was to wait for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus commanded his disciples to wait for something. They weren't ready to carry out his ministry in the world. They were not yet prepared. They were to wait for a gift that the Father had promised. A gift that Jesus had spoken to them about previously. And what was this gift? It was to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now remember, we've talked about in John how the disciples had already received the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on them. But this was something different. It was a further experience with the Holy Spirit. You see, in the baptism with the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus himself who baptizes the believer with the Holy Spirit. And as we'll see when we look at Acts chapter 2 in this series, the baptism with the Holy Spirit could only happen after Jesus had ascended to heaven. It was something that was poured out from heaven itself to the believer's. And so Jesus' final instructions to his disciples, and we know from Acts 2 that this group was bigger than just 11, there was 120 uh, at least, his instructions were, don't go anywhere, don't do anything until something happens, until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in the next few verses, we're going to understand why. Well, how does this apply to us today? we're going to learn as we study the book of Acts, and that's what we're going to be doing over the next, I think it's 11 weeks. This is all done in conjunction with the AD, the Bible Continues series that's playing on Sunday nights at 8 o'clock. We encourage you to watch that. And uh, many of the small groups are going to be, uh, have opportunities to watch together. But we're going to learn that there are three experiences that prepare a person for their mission on earth. First of all, God desires for every person to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord Lord and Savior. And when they do that, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of them. That's the first experience that God wants for each and every person. Secondly, that believer must be water baptized. Jesus commanded in the Great Commission uh, to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is Jesus' command for each and every believer. That's the second experience. The third experience is that we are, as believers, to wait on. We are to seek God until we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Three experiences uh, that each believer needs to be initiated into in order to be fully equipped to do their part in carrying out Jesus' ministry in the world. And so this morning, God wants you to look at your own heart. Where are you at? With respect to your walk with God If you're not a believer here this morning God wants you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ That's the very first step And the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you If you're a believer God wants you to be water baptized by immersion After you've believed If you haven't taken that important step We encourage you to sign up To be water baptized at our next baptism Infant baptism is not biblical baptism It's something your parents decided for you to do doesn't count for obedience to Jesus' command. You need to be baptized after you become a believer. And if you haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit, the third experience we're talking about this morning, then begin to pray. Begin to seek God earnestly until it happens. So now let's learn more about Jesus' final instructions. We are to focus on God's priority mission for our lives. Verse 6. So when they met together, that is the disciples and Jesus, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Here's another time where I just sigh. the disciples just didn't get it, did they? Here Jesus had just given them an incredibly important instruction that had to do with receiving spiritual power. And what were the disciples thinking about? Political power. Rome is, uh, Rome is. We are in dominion to Rome. Rome is ruling the nation of Israel. We can only do what the Romans say. Are you at this time going to throw off the Roman rulers and establish the kingdom, the earthly political kingdom of Israel once again? And Jesus gently told them that they shouldn't obsess over God's timing. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. In other words, don't try to figure out what God is going to do regarding the times of nations rising and falling. Don't try to figure out when I'm going to return. God has all those things under control. You're going to waste a lot of time trying to figure out things that I'm not going to tell you about anyhow. I know when it's going to happen. I'm in control. That's not what your priority in life is supposed to be. Here's what you need to prioritize for your life. You need to, coming back to what he just told them in verse 5, receive the Holy Spirit's power to be his witnesses. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power, underline that word power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8 is with uh, good, good measure considered the key verse of Acts. What Acts is all about is summarized in Acts 1.8. And so Jesus is now answering the question... He just told them they needed to wait to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Here's the answer to the question. Why do we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Why do the disciples need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? What is the point? The point is when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, when Jesus baptizes you in the Spirit, that you you receive supernatural power. And what is that power for? That power is to enable Jesus' disciples to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth we receive power to be courageous and bold and effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. Now, as believers, we follow Jesus' example. We don't have time to look at the scriptures this morning, but remember when Jesus was baptized, what happened? John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the river Jordan. And as he came up out of the water, what happened? The Holy Spirit came down like a dove and descended upon him. And so, Jesus began his ministry and in fact, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, he began his ministry in the power of the Spirit. And in the same way, Jesus is teaching that every believer here needs the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives in order to be his witnesses. And as we go through the book of Acts in this series, we're going to see how Jesus' disciples carried on Jesus' ministry in ever-expanding Geographic circles through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit enabled these early disciples to do the same things that Jesus had been doing in his ministry. And thus fulfilling Jesus' promise to them. The early disciples spoke God's word boldly and they saw people saved. The early disciples prayed for the sick. And they saw them healed. The early disciples delivered people from demonic possession and oppression, and they saw them set free. The early disciples received supernatural direction from God. They heard God's voice. God guided them with dreams and visions, and even angels appeared to them. The same things they did that Jesus had done before. And so when a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they receive the power of the Spirit And they learn to hear the voice of the Spirit, which is Jesus' Spirit. And as they do that, they can be Jesus' hands and feet in the world. Verse 9, after he said this, after Jesus gave these final instructions, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And so Jesus then ascended after 40 days on the earth, 40 days with his disciples. He ascended back into heaven from whence he had come. And where's Jesus today? He's still in heaven. You know, we talk about receiving Jesus into our hearts. And I know what we're saying, but Jesus really isn't inside our hearts per se. As Jesus, as we're going to see him one day, Jesus is in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus lives inside our hearts today. And Jesus' ministry, he's not going about, we can't see him here because he's in heaven. I mean, Jesus has a physical body. A glorified body, but still a physical body that can eat and be touched. But Jesus is in heaven, so his ministry continues through his disciples, through you and me. We are his hands and feet in the world. And to carry on that ministry, we mustn't simply focus on heaven. The disciples, it says, they were looking up, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? Well, this must have been an incredible experience. Jesus is standing talking to them. All of a sudden, he levitates. He you know, I mean, he just starts going up. It's like, wow, everybody's just watching him go up into the sky. And they just stand there. You know, Jesus, where are you? Are you coming back or, or what? And they stand there staring. And so the angels appear, and they wanted to get the disciples focus back on earth. They're not doing any good, staring at the sky, wondering what's going to happen next. And so the angels addressed the men of Galilee. In other words, you are men, you live here on this earth. It would be like saying to us, you know, men and women of St. Louis, men and women, you live here, you live in this area, I've got work for you to do. Don't waste your time gazing up into the sky. Don't worry about Jesus. Jesus is going to return when your mission here is complete. Angels continued in verse 11. The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The angels confirmed to the disciples, Jesus is coming back. There's no question about it. He is coming back, but he's only going to come back when the mission of his disciples, the mission of the church is complete. And what is that mission? Well, we had it given to us by Jesus himself. The mission is to be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus made it very clear in Matthew twenty-four, fourteen. He said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And so we have work to do. We have a mission to finish. Now many people read the book of Acts simply as church history. These are things that happened in the past. And that's all it is. Well, the book of Acts is church history. Everything that happened there actually happened. It is true church history. But the book of Acts is much more than history. The book of Acts demonstrates how disciples of Jesus Christ of all ages should impact their society. The things in the Bible are written to instruct us how we are to live today. We are to impact our society. We are to impact the St. Louis area where we live through the power of the Holy Spirit. We ought to see the same things that happened in Acts happening in our own lives and in our own church. These supernatural happenings that are described in Acts are the continuation of Jesus' ministry through the church. And so today we're beginning to get a glimpse, we're beginning to understand how God's power continues, how God's power continued after Jesus left, it continued through the early church in the book of Acts. And we understand that this power is going to continue down through the centuries, through our time, how long is it going to continue until Jesus returns again, until the mission is completed. And so as we go through this message series, I'd like to encourage you to read through the book of Acts. Just kind of follow along. We're going to be going through the first, I believe, 10 chapters in this series, so it's not a lot of reading. We encourage you to read along with us. In fact, I don't know if this is divine coincidence or not, I certainly didn't orchestrate it, but our class on Sunday mornings is also about the book of Acts. So I think God wants us to be studying the book of Acts, so we'd encourage you to do that. You get even another perspective Uh, That's a little bit different. So we've got the message on Sunday mornings, the class, the life groups, and the television series on the book of Acts. God has something to say to us. And so wherever you're at in your spiritual journey this morning, God wants you to begin to pray and ask him about the next step he has for you. God never wants us to get satisfied in our Christian walk. There's always more that he has for us. There's always more, another dimension, a deeper dimension that He has for us. The first step, we're going to give you an opportunity in a minute, if you're not a believer, is to believe in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Him. The second step is to be water baptized. The third step is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the fourth step is just to grow in using the power of the Spirit as a witness for Jesus Christ. So I encourage each one of us to seek God, begin to pray for more of his power, for more of his presence in our individual lives and in our church. This morning, if you're not sure you're a believer or perhaps you made a commitment of some type in the past, but you feel like you've slipped away from that commitment, I'd encourage you to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to admit that you've sinned. Repent and turn away from that sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe that he died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead three days later. Commit your life to serving him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. I'd encourage you to pray this prayer with me. With every eye closed, if there's anyone here that wants to commit their life to Jesus Christ for the first time or recommit your life, I'd like to ask you to raise your hand and raise it up and just slip it down again. If anybody here who wants to pray it, raise your hand and slip it down again. Thank you. We see those hands. And pray along with me. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I turn away from that sin. I repent. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe that he rose from the dead. Come into my life through your spirit. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are believers this morning, let's pray that God would move in greater dimension in our lives. Father, we thank you, God, for the book of Acts. That shows us not only what you did in the past, but shows us your plan for our lives in our church. We realize we need more of your power in our lives, God. We desire, we long for more of your presence in our lives. We want to be Jesus' hands and feet in the world. And we see so many needs around us, God. We need your supernatural power in order to do and teach as Jesus did. We need your courage, your boldness to be witnesses for Jesus in the St. Louis area. We want to see, as you move through us, many more people saved, many more people baptized in water, and many more filled with the Holy Spirit. We pray, God, that you give each person present this morning a growing desire for more of your presence and more of your power in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.